0: Lay down your weary tune, lay down, lay down the song you strung, and rest yourself neath the strength of Hello, everyone. My name is Andy Hill, and we are in the middle of what started as a three-part series of podcasts called The Songs of Bob Dylan, number 12 and 35. And veteran listeners to this podcast might have recognized that opening snippet of Lay Down Your Weary Tune from last week. Uh, We rambled on so long during the last podcast that we had to divide it in two. And also... Renee, the lovely female voice you heard there, that's my music partner, she had to split town for Italy, suspiciously similar to when Susie Rotolo cut out on Bob Dylan and caused him to write boots of Spanish leather and don't think twice. Intriguing. Hmm. So, by way of review, we were talking about Lay Down Your Weary Tin as a transitional song for Bob. It's a song that foreshadowed Dylan's movement from politics and social justice to mysticism. We mentioned that it was intended to close the album, The Times They Are A-Changin', but it was at the last minute replaced by Restless Farewell. For those of you not carrying around an encyclopedia, by the closing of Dylan's third album, in addition to the tremendous collection of protest songs on The Times They Are A-Changin', the world had, of course, heard "Blowin' in the Wind, Masters of War, Oxford Town, and the astonishing A Hard Rains Are Gonna Fall. Taken together, these songs placed the 22-year-old Bob Dylan like a colossus over folk music. And it should be noted that the three albums, The Freewheelin' Bob Dylan, The Times They Are a-Changin', and another side of Bob Dylan, were recorded in about a 15-month stretch. The song which began this discussion is only one of about 20 that didn't even make the final cut on any of those records. So when Dylan sends out his Dear John letter to protest music in the form of My Back Pages, I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. It should be noted that all this is happening with telescoped intensity. He's looking back on and separating himself from material written within the previous year, not decades ago. That gives you a clue to the speed of his evolution as an artist. So, to complete the discussion of Lay Down Your Weary Tune as a transitional piece, in its implied association with creativity and expression, the song is a prelude to Tambourine Man, which will say, I'm ready to go anywhere. I'm ready for it to fade into my own parade. Cast your dancing spell my way. I promise to go under it. And more concretely, if you hear vague traces of skipping reels of rhyme, that's Dylan's description of the beginnings of a song coming to him, that knock at midnight from the muse that the creative artist follows instinctively. And I'm going to go on a tangent here, but bear with me. The creative artist follows instinctively sometimes at the cost of manners, social expectation, corporate perception, etc., because, well, the call of that inner landscape is the call of the real world, the mystic foundation. Everything else, the interrupted dinner party, the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, the Tom Paine Award, the Nobel Prize, the well-wisher on the street, the hippie knocking on your door in Woodstock. That's the illusion. Lay Down Your Weary Tune is also related to Chimes of Freedom, which, since Rene isn't here to argue, I'll say categorically... I'll stand in my underwear on her coffee table stacked with Beatles and Joni Mitchell albums and state that it's the best song ever written. Oh, I can hear her. Oh, what about yesterday? What about Imagine? What about both sides now? Come on! Leaving aside that we wouldn't even have Imagine or both sides now if Bob Dylan hadn't eviscerated disemboweled and incinerated the parameters of popular music, if he hadn't in about a year's time previously transformed what was an exclusively disposable art form with a small a into a vessel that could carry the themes so elegantly put forth by John and Joni. Here's why Chimes of Freedom is the greatest of them all from its riveting images like the sky cracked its poems in naked wonder, a line that lay down your weary tune is a precursor too. to lines, whole sections, so accumulative in empathy, reason, and what I'd call a willingness to bear witness. For example, for each unharmful gentle soul Misplaced inside a jail, we gazed upon the chimes of freedom flashing. I know of no other line that fires on so many of the cylinders that connect us as human beings. And there it is, on the radio, in the hands of Roger McGuinn and the Birds, in a Top 40 song. Why do we gaze at things? Some people gaze and are reminded that they have to pick up cornflakes at the store. And some people think of each unharmful gentle soul misplaced inside a jail. If this internal world is the real world and that external world is illusory and Dylan knows or feels this, It goes a long way to understanding how Dylan so often seems to disappoint when he fails to behave like Leonard Cohen or Bruce Springsteen when he receives a public accolade. I like to think of it like this. If you're a monk meditating in a wooden room with four walls, as the studious and disciplined Leonard has done, the external world is one thing, But if you dwell primarily in the bustling big city, the more famous you become and the more worldly opportunities there are available to you, the bigger and more powerful the illusory external world appears to be. There's all those people, and they are all so nice, from the person on the street who only wants one of your minutes to thank you for all you've done, to the cultural institutions who, in their own way, want to do the same thing. In my theory, Dylan was probably born with the capacity to disengage. He was too young to have accumulated the life experience that would have generated that kind of wisdom. Mike Scott of the Waterboys in his masterpiece, The Whole of the Moon, might well have been speaking of Dylan when he said, I wandered out in the world for years. You just stayed in your room. Or, I wondered, I guessed, and I tried. You just knew. So perhaps, sometimes, when Dylan does something off-putting or surprising, it is more intuitively self-protective than it is a carefully thought-through insult to the rest of us. My name is Andy Hill. My music partner is Renee Safier. She says hello from Italy. I'm leaving tomorrow to meet up with her and play a few songs before we return. Our website is www.andyandrenee.com. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that you'll come see us Perform live every Friday night at Port in San Pedro. Please tune in next week for the twice-delayed discussion of Black Diamond Bay as we continue to discuss the songs of Bob Dylan, number 12 and 35.